and he and I become really, really great friends. And we were FaceTime, and we were talking about odd, strange encounters that he's been having as he's traveling around the world. And we're just telling stories about these crazy things that have happened to us in the last month. And while I'm sitting there in my truck, somebody pulls up like five feet from my truck in a BMW. And they're cranking music and just rocking out and partying in their car. And I'm in a spot where no one else would ever go. It's not like a hangout spot. It's not a fishing spot. It's not a party spot. And so I'm sitting in my truck, FaceTiming Jason Lee Jones. I've just had a great time of prayer with the Lord. And this girl pulls up in this BMW, and she gets out of her car, and she pulls out a 12-pack of Dos Equis, goes up to the front of her car, and she starts just jamming out by herself. And she's really, really pretty. She's a really, really pretty black girl. Real thin, real long, wavy, curly hair. And she's just rocking out, partying, jamming out by herself. She's in a bra and Daisy Duke shorts. Yeah. What in the world? I'm like, and so I literally have Jason Lee Jones on the phone, and I'm like, dude, you got to see this. And I show him the phone. Over there, he's like, what in the world is happening to you? I said, the Lord is up to something. This is the story of my life, right? And so she's just rocking out, and we're actually going to pray for this girl in a moment, and I'm going to tell you why I'm telling you this story. But she's just you know, sitting on the front of her BMW, rocking out, like, total spring break party mode. And, you know, very, very attractive, just rocking out, and obviously trying to get my attention. So I tell Jason, I said, I think I probably need to leave. Now, you guys know I never leave from an encounter. But in this case, I was like, this might be the time for me to exit, okay? Because it was very clear where I was that this was an intentional drive up, all right? So Jason's like, yeah, and I'm I'm sitting there, I'm really wrestling with the Lord, like, because I never, you know, leave from something. I mean, I, the only time I ever leave from something, I I told the story recently, I figured out the one place you never want to witness to somebody. It's the one place that I'm like, I am not witnessing to somebody in this spot. It's in the steam bath at the athletic club. Yeah. First of all, if you've never been into a steam bath or a steam shower or a steam room, it's like 125 degrees, steam, mist. I mean, you can only stay in there for about five to seven minutes before you're just, you know, sweating everything out of you. And I never strike up a conversation when I'm in the steam bath, except this one time. Now, you know when you start evangelizing to somebody, it already starts to get hot. As soon as I start to talk with somebody about the Lord, you can feel the presence of God and the heat of his presence come. Not only does their blood pressure start to rise, but I start to feel that fervency and that passion for that person. And I struck up somehow a conversation with this guy, and he started telling me how he was hopeless in his life and had no vision, and he felt like he was too old to accomplish anything, He was, I don't know, maybe 70, I'm going to guess. And he was sitting there just telling me about his problems. And I'm thinking to myself, as I'm dripping in sweat, no, Lord, this is not the time. (laughs) This is not the time for me to witness that. And the Lord's like, yes, it is. And that's the scripture, to be instant, in season and out, to be ready when it's opportunistic and when it's not opportunistic. And the Lord's like, yeah, you're going to say something. And so I start to witness to this guy, and man, 
I'm telling you what, he starts to push back a little bit. My temperature's rising, his temperature's rising. I'm sweating and I feel like I'm about to pass out. And I said, you know what, bro? I gotta get out of here. <laughs> and I was right out of the steam bath. I could not handle it any longer. But anyway, so I'm sitting next to this girl and I think that I'm gonna leave and I'm kind of wrestling with it. And then I realize yeah, I probably need to go. And Jason's like, yeah, and he goes, so I fire up my truck, and as soon as I'm about to leave, she runs over to my car, car door, banging on the window, and she says, do you ask me if I have a cigarette. And I said, I don't have a cigarette, but what in the world are you doing here? And she said, well, I just moved from Hawaii. I don't know anybody here. I've just left my boyfriend. He's been beating me night and day, and I'm just saying, screw it all. I'm about to kill myself and end my life. Yeah. And so I said, okay. I said, well, I pastor a church here in Flower Bluff called Rock City Church. And she goes, you're kidding me. She goes, this is, this is Jesus trying to get, the fact that you're a pastor sitting right here and that I pulled up next to you, she's like, this is the Lord trying to talk to me. I said, yes, it is. I said, come here, let me pray for you. So I took her hand and I prayed with her. And then she said, I gotta stay in touch with you. And she, she went to hand me her phone and said, put your phone number in my phone. I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that. And, so, <laughs> and so, uh, so I said, you know what? I said, why don't you give me your number, and why don't I see if I can have somebody come here? One of the, you know, I have a bunch of spiritual mamas and a, a bunch of girls from the church and a lot of young adults that could come and sit with you. And she said, I don't need anybody in my life. She says, I have cancer. My life's at my end. I'm about to throw my phone in the ocean. I'm about to end my life. And she's like, I don't need anybody. I said, no, you do. And she started telling me about all her issues and her problems in her life for about 10 minutes while Jason Lee Jones was on FaceTime. And then I realized there's really, the only other thing I could have done would have been to call somebody from here to come over right away while I was sitting there. But that could have been another hour, right? And this was on Friday. And so I said, you know, I got her number. I said, I'm going to have somebody call you. And I left and I text Melody and then Melody messaged Dawn and then Dawn called her three times. The first time she answered and said that, you know, somebody found the phone and she's dead. And then the next time she called, she doesn't know who she is. And it was that girl each time. And so since that time, my heart has been pretty shaken for this girl. Her name's Whitney. And if any of you know her, I would like for you to try to reach out to her or find her. Maybe you'll never see her again. And, and I don't know what exactly the Lord was trying to do in that situation. Uh, but since I left, I've thought about her and how God had, I really do believe the Lord had set that up for me to pray for her and speak into her life. And so can we pray for her together as a church? All right. Lord, we stand together as a church family playing, praying for this girl, Whitney. Lord, we ask that you would save her, rescue her, and that, Lord, she'd see your love and your kindness and your mercy and that you care so much for her. We pray, God, that you would rescue her wherever she's at. And I pray, Lord, just as uh, she pulled up next to me in, in that spot, that, Lord, you would divinely orchestrate another connection from somebody here in this church or somebody that knows her or finds her. Somehow, some way, Lord, you can do it. You cared enough about her to bring her up to my truck that, that day. And, Lord, I just pray that she would be saved, rescued, redeemed, delivered, and that she would live and not die. And we come into agreement as a church for her life that she would fulfill every purpose and desire that you have for her and she'd come to know you intimately. In Jesus' name, amen.
I share that story because I know that the Lord always thinks about us. And I've thought about her a lot, and I think about each of you a lot. I think about how much I love this church and how much I care about each one of you, and I pray for each one of you. I pray that God would continue to show himself strong and that you'd know his love and how much he cares about you. And I pray that because I know how much the Lord loves and cares about me. And I'm constantly thinking about how much he loves me. You know that the Lord is thinking about each one of you right now. No matter what you're facing and no matter what you're going through, the Lord is thinking about you. You're constantly on his mind. But most people don't believe that or they don't understand that or they never think about that. Or they think that God's too busy dealing with somebody else's issues or maybe another part of the world. That God doesn't want to intricately and intimately be involved with your everyday life. But that's not true. God's incredible love is so deep and it's so wide. It's amazing. And what fires me up more than anything is not so much the power and the spiritual gifts and the signs and the wonders, though I love those things. I have a burning, zealous passion, like the Corinthian church, for the spiritual gifts. But the reason why I love the spiritual gifts so much is because I love you. It's because I love people. And I understand that God's acts demonstrate his kindness and his mercy and his grace and his intimate love for each one of you. And that's why you have to have supernatural encounters in your everyday life. Intimately in the secret place, in the quiet place with the Lord, dreams, visions, signs, wonders, miracles. It's not something that you can just sit idly by and hope it happens. That's why the Lord, through the Apostle Paul, instructed the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 14.1 to pursue love but to be aggressive, to be zealous, to be fiery hot for the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Because prophecy will build your life. Prophecy builds his church. It's the one gift that brings us intimately together and enables me to speak God's heartbeat right into your life and yours into somebody else's life. Divine revelation, vision, divine communication, yes, it comes from the Lord and his voice first and intimacy. But many times people don't know how to hear God's voice or in a very dark place and they feel that God is so far away from them that God will use you to be his mouthpiece, his hands, and his feet to speak his word into their life. You've got to see that and understand that. We're his hands and feet. We're his mouth. And so to be prophetic means that I literally speak his word, his truth, his life in an accurate way from the heartbeat of God to you. And I speak it in a way that builds you, comforts you, exhorts you, and edifies you. And every single person in this sanctuary today needs edification. Every single one of us needs comfort. Every single one of us needs to be built up and strengthened. And so God uses his spirit inside of each one of us to speak to each other to do that. Yes, we get it directly from him. And yes, I want more than anything for each one of you to have an intimate, personal, Jesus relationship every day of your life. I want that for you. But I also want you to understand that God requires us and expects us to invade each other's spaces and to speak his truth and his word in life and love and freedom. We need building and we build each other. Edification means not to just, in a sense, to make you feel good and to comfort you, but it means to literally build your life. 
And so prophecy is directional, it builds you, it puts a trajectory in your life of where it is that God wants you to go, what he's saying and what he's doing. And it brings the reality of who he is into your everyday life. That's why I love it so much. In fact, the greatest gift in the church is prophecy. There's no greater gift. But sadly, most people don't understand prophecy. Most people don't know how to prophesy. Most people don't assert themselves. Most people don't, don't zealously, with a burning passion, desire the spiritual gifts. But I'm out to change that. And I want to change it for you, and I want to help you understand why. And I won't go into the depth of that today. It's something that I teach on on Supernormal Natural Nights every Wednesday night. In fact, for the next three Wednesdays, I'm going to be doing Supernormal Natural Nights. I've done the last two. I'm on a five-week run. I would encourage you guys. Last Wednesday was so incredibly powerful. I taught on the importance of prophecy and why not to reject it and what it does. And then we began to prophesy over each other. And then I began to pull other people to prophesy over other people. People were getting activated, words of encouragement, words of hope, words of life. People were getting born again, flamed on, spirit-filled, weeping, crying. It went till almost 11 o'clock last Wednesday. Now, for you parents and those that don't stay up past 9, don't worry. I dismissed everybody at 9 o'clock, and those that wanted to stay could stay. But the Spirit of the Lord was so present and tangible in the sanctuary that people did not want to leave. At almost 11, there were over 75 people here. And this is a rarity. Don't take it for granted. Don't think that this happens everywhere and all the time. This is, I'm telling you, it is an extreme rarity, though it shouldn't be. And what I want to do is teach you what the normal Christian life looks like, and it means to be flamed on and to reproduce. And if you're not reproducing, the fire and the passion of God's spirit inside of you will be small. One of the reasons why I'm so aggressive and so fired up is because I'm on a mission. And it's more than money, and I love my kids and family, but it's even more than them. Because my kids one day are going to leave me. They're going to meet their spouses, and they're going to cleave to them. My wife is my greatest, strongest relationship on earth for the rest of my life. But my wife and I are on a mission. It's why you're here. It's why we started this church. And it's not to have nice, comfortable, Sunday morning, make you feel good, tingle your ears church. It's to challenge you. It's to awaken you. It's to remind you who God is in your life. It's to remind you how much he loves you. And that you have a purpose and you have a destiny inside of him. And that purpose and destiny includes a lot of things. But one of the greatest things it includes is spiritual reproduction. So if the enemy can get you consumed with yourself your career, your money, super busy all the time, anxious, stressed, worried, depressed, checked out, then you won't fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. But I'm here to shake you up and stir you up and get you back into the design that God has for you. You all have a purpose. And it's not to just sit here in a chair week in and week out. It's to get activated and do something with what God's put inside of you. Now, not everybody can have this microphone. Not everybody can be in this place. I mean, everybody can, but not everybody will. And we try hard to let a lot of people speak testimonies. Wednesday night, I had Anthony Ortegon get up here, and he brought straight fire for about 15 minutes. We laughed, we cried, and it just shifted the atmosphere. And there's so many others. All of you I'd like to see flamed on into your gift and your passion to speak, to preach, to teach, to do whatever it is that God's put inside of you. This isn't about me. This is about us equipping each other 
into the purpose that God has for you. And inside that purpose always includes edification, comfort, and building other people's lives. Why do I care so much about this random girl that I just barely met? Because I saw that she was in an SOS state and God divinely orchestrated it. And I, could, I didn't do more. I did the best I knew at the time, but I wish I could have done more. And I have a burning passion to see her flamed on and born again and fulfill the purpose of God in her life. Enough to say, let's pray and find her. And we may never find her. But I want to know that I did everything that I could have done to the best of my ability because I passionately care about her and even more so you. Not in this for money and butts in the seat and greater fame and glory. It's not about greater fame and glory. Or I guess I should say, you know, recognition. It's about reproduction of life. And when, when I pass away, I want people to say he reproduced and loved well. He stayed on fire all the days of it. He ran the course of his life well. He finished strong. And it didn't matter if I had 250,000 Instagram followers. And it didn't matter how many people, you know, bought something or watched online. What mattered was lives transforming, that I was faithful with what God had given me right now, and I was a good steward with his word, with his love, his life, and reproducing what he's put inside of me. And that's what I want you to be inspired about. Do I want you to have good careers, doctors, lawyers, uh, um, firefighters, whatever arena you're in, the oil field, coffee shops, whatever it is that you do? Do I want you to do well at that and be successful in it? Yes, I do. Do I want you to make good money? You bet I do. Do I champion that and pray for you? You bet I do. But do I want that to come before God's purpose and call on your life? No, I don't. And I believe that God gives you your careers and he gives you your stuff and your money all for the purpose of advancing his kingdom. And if God has blessed your life, be grateful, be thankful, and give back mightily. Give of your time, make the sacrifice, serve, give of your finances so that you can be fulfilling why God gave you what he gave you, the purpose of it. And not everybody will make, you know, $100,000 a year or more. But wherever you're at and whatever you have, learn to be faithful with it and God will give you more. If you're faithful with a little, the Lord will give you much. I promise you. And so all this comes down to a burning passion and incredible love that God has for us. That's why next week, I'm, I, if the Lord permits, I'll teach on that scripture which says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. The word pursue means to be aggressive and to run with all your might as fast as you can and to not look back or shrink back, but to fight for all, with all your might for God's agape love. Pursue God's agape love. It has no expectation of return. It sacrificially gives all the time, every time, no matter what you can and what you can't do. That's why I personally don't look at your giving and tithe records. And I've had many, many of pastors rebuke me for that. But you know what? This church has never had a money problem. We paid $370,000 for a roof in full cash. This little old church, not one millionaire ponied up 100000 or 50000 All of us together with our sacrifices are building a story together as a family. And you know what that story is? Thank you. You know what that story is? Total lordship and dependence on the headship of Christ. It's his deal, not mine. I've got to be a good steward and take responsibility, but at the end of the day, this is his deal, not mine. It's us. It's our. It's we. 
no matter how crazy y'all are. And some of you are crazy. Yeah, issues, messed up. But you know what? That's why we're here. We're here to bring healing and help and wholeness and life. So come with all your issues. We got plenty of tissues for all your issues. I'm not kidding. Don't retreat. Don't fall in shame. Don't pull away. Don't get isolated. Marriage is on the rocks. I get it. And I already know when I don't hear from you or see you for a long period of time, usually something's not going well. And some people will leave, and I get that. But for those of you that are a part of this family, I'm telling you right now, do not go through it alone. You can't. And we have to build a culture that doesn't put shame on people and build a culture that brings healing and life and freedom and unity, no matter what it is you did last night. Because I've been around long enough to know some of you did some stupid stuff last night. And if you stick around over the course of time, we'll help you to stop doing stupid stuff the night before church. Or ever. How about ever? That would be a good thing. God's love never fails and it's always giving. God's love always gives. He's always giving. Not withholding. He's always giving. Why? Because love is an action. You can't have agape love without sacrificial giving. Agape love and sacrificial giving go hand in hand. Love is always an action first more than a feeling. And 10 out of 10 couples that I counsel that are in marriage crisis that don't feel like they're in love anymore have stopped doing the actions of love that they once did when they first met and fell in love. And the minute that we stop having actions of love is the minute we stop having feelings of love. And that's why God demonstrates himself to you supernaturally and why you need prophecy, signs, wonders, miracles, and the acts of God. Now, the greatest act of God's already taken place. The cross. It was the greatest manifestation of sacrificial love you'll ever find, ever, in the course of history. Jesus' death on the cross. But he's still giving. He's still loving. He's still desiring. God demonstrated that action in so many incredible ways. And he wants you to know that he's still doing it. And you're constantly on his mind. You are constantly on his mind. Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Let's say this together. Say, when I woke up, he was still there because he never left me. You know how many times I fell asleep in failures and sin and struggles or darkness clouded my mind and clouded my heart? You know how many times I felt like God was so far away from me and that he'd either forsaken me or he was mad at me or I screwed it up so bad and he was just... He was finished with me many, many, many times because I did not have an accurate understanding of God's love. The way that I looked at the Father is the way that I was dealt with by my heavenly Father who abandoned me, and, or by my earthly Father who abandoned me and neglected me. And I, I grew up in this performance mentality. So when I failed, I felt like a failure and I felt like God was mad at me and he was 
far away from me. But in this very psalm, David says, if I make my bed in hell, in the darkest of darkest place, guess where he's at? Even he's there. If I said the darkness is over going to take me, King David said the darkness will become light to him. And so it's important that you see that God constantly has you on his mind. To think thoughts towards you literally means a directional purpose for your life. To care for you and to see you through to everything that he has destined for your life. It means he never gives up and I'm always thinking about you. And if I can get you to experience this reality in your everyday life, it's a game changer. Depression, it's got to go. Fear, it's got to go. Worry, it's got to go. If you can begin to believe that God loves you so much that he's constantly thinking about you, and the, think, the, the thoughts he's thinking is directional to guide you and lead you into the plan and the purpose that he has for your life. David said, if I, count, if I were to try to count them, it'd be more than the sand on the seashore. We like to go to the beach a lot. And every time I'm at the beach, I'll grab a big giant handful of sand and just run it through my hands and think, he loves me more than that. Like, I couldn't even, just one handful. But the deceptive lie is that you're so screwed up and you're so messed up, you've done too many drugs, slept with too many people, had too many broken relationships. Oh, you're the worst of the worst. Not really. You're not really the worst of the worst. There's always somebody worse. Right? There's always somebody worse. But we believe these deceptive lies that we bombed it or we haven't measured up or we haven't been good enough or I haven't been to church enough or I haven't prayed enough or I haven't worshiped enough and therefore I've got to earn my way back to God and we set up all these formulistic ways of thinking that if I'm formulistic enough, God will take me back. And that's a deceptive lie. You know how fast God takes you back? Done. And some of you need a done. Because you've got shame. You feel far from the Lord. You feel like you're such a failure. You're not good enough. You've been sold the deceptive lie of the wrong tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you've got lies and fear and old time religion binding you up. You know how many times I ran to the altar in my early Christian years? Even my mid-Christian years? Wait a minute. Even now in my life? You know how many times I run to the altar and run to his presence and run to his arms? Because I've learned that when I screw up or when I fail to not run away but run to him, that the Father's standing with open arms for you, not going like this to keep you at an arm's length. Now, if you perform and you measure up, Think of the father and the prodigal son. Think about your own children. I'm always standing with open arms no matter how mad my son makes me. I mean, he, he makes me so mad sometimes. Like this morning, you know, uh, he gets up early before everybody else when we all want to sleep in. Like too early when he should be sleeping longer. That's the one thing. I wake up mad already. I'm just letting you know. I'm like, why are you up right now? This is, makes no sense to me. So then everybody else wants to sleep, but he's party mode. He's ready to be, li- and we live in the, you know, thin walls and little tiny house, and he's like, la, 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 la. I'm like, you better be quiet. And la, 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 la. I'm like, I'm telling you right now, you better be quiet. I'm going to spank your hunt. Ah, la, la, la. And I thought to myself, what are you, five? 
And I'm like, he's five. Yes, he's five. And then I gobbled him up and told him how much I loved him. I really did. But I secretly wanted to spank him. But I still told him how much I loved him. You've got to see when you awake, he's still with you. I mean, this is an awesome scripture right here. But you've got to see when I awake, I'm still with you. That's the fact that God has never given up on you. There's not one person under the sound of my voice that God's given up on. None of you. You've never been so bad that he gave up. In fact, when you were in your worst state, he actually gave his life on the cross. Because the scripture says in Romans 5 that while you were yet sinners, Christ died. The, The way I interpret that is in my worst, most dysfunctional, darkest state, he was hanging on the cross. And I know that he didn't just die for them then. He died for them then and me now and those to come. Do you see that? So what's God thinking about when he thinks about you? What is he thinking about? Man, we could fill in a lot of blanks on that question. Many of us think that God's constantly thinking about your failures and wants to have a conversation about how screwed up you are. But the Lord's love covers a multitude of sins. And what God actually does is he shows you how much he cares about you to awaken you and to get you to see that what he has for you is better than what you've been having. Only his love and to be fascinated by him can transform you. Not more religion, not more church, not more Bible studies. If you don't get a revelation of God's passionate desire and love for you, you'll just go through the motions of behavior modification. And then you'll feel like you're failing when you're not behavior modified enough. Because I didn't do this enough, and therefore I'm not good enough, or I'm failing God, or I'm not spiritual enough. And I'm not negating the fact that we should be reading our Bibles and worshiping in quiet times. Those are things that I do every day in my life. But I also have to make sure that I don't fall into formulistic thinking and compartmentalize God that if I do all these right things, then God will be pleased. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, the Lord says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. I know you've heard this scripture before, but here's the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Peace, future, hope. God's always thinking about our future. He's always thinking about your future. And he always wants you to have peace and he wants you to have hope and to not give up. And if you feel like giving up today, this word's for you. If you feel like you have no peace in your life, this word's for you. If you feel hopeless today, this word's for you. If you feel like you have no future in your life, this word's for you. Because God's always thinking directional. It's toward you, meaning that he's thinking into your life and for what's to come. Hope, future, and peace. That's how God feels about me. So whenever I get into turmoil, stress, worry, um, financial anxiety, my employees do dumb things that they shouldn't do, or a machine breaks, or whatever it is, or a marriage is on the rocks, or my kids, or there's all kinds of responsibilities we all have in our life. But the fact that I know that God's always thinking about me for peace, hope, and a future, and I'm always on his mind, fires me up 
It helps me through my most difficult times. The thoughts he thinks are directional. They bring peace, future, and a hope. And every day this will transform your life because you'll know how much he feels about you and thinks about you. He loves you so much and he always wants the best for you, no matter where you've been or what you've done. Look at Jeremiah uh, chapter 31, verse 3. Jeremiah 31, 3. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, yes. Everybody say yes. Yes. Let's say it like this. Yeah. 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 This is a yeah. Yeah. Do you understand? It's like, oh, yes. He loves me. It's like, yeah, he loves me. Uh. Woo! With an everlasting love. You know what an everlasting love is? It's everlasting. It's like for all eternity. It never fails. It's every day, all the time. He's always loving. He's always loving you with an everlasting love. Therefore, so because of that, this is what I want you to see. Because the Lord loves you with an everlasting love, He draws you. Now, this isn't draw like he sketches you out. This is draw as in he seizes your life. He literally drags you out of the, he rescues you out of the mud, the muck, and the miry clay. And then he marches you toward the purpose and the destiny that God has for you. He literally seizes and grabs a hold of your life. That's what I believe the Lord was wanting to do to Whitney. That's what the Lord does to every single Uber driver that that I get in the car with. I'm like, God wants to draw you out. It's to draw you out of darkness. It's to draw you out of depression. It's to draw you out of hurts and pains. It's to draw you out of alcoholism. It's to draw you out of shame. It's to draw you out of isolation. You were never called to live this life alone. You were never called to go it alone. So God's constantly drawing you out of difficult situations to rescue you. He seizes your life. God seized my life. And before I finally said yes, he was constantly trying to seize me. I'd be at concerts and Christians would walk up and witness to me and I didn't want to hear anything about it. Friends would invite me to church and a pastor would preach like this and I was checked out. All I was thinking about is my next party, my next concert, the next hookup. Whatever it was, because I wasn't at my end and desperate and recognizing how much I really needed his love in my life. To draw means that he's so attractive that he gets your attention. That's what it means. It means that the attractiveness of God and the wonder of who he is has caught my attention. And now I'm more attracted to him than to the world. And see, for me, when I was partying and drinking and doing drugs and living for myself, I thought that I was happy until I found something better. I really wasn't happy. I thought I was. But I didn't realize how much I really needed the Lord until I experienced or saw the greatness of who he was. He attracts you to pull you out. This is unfailing and everlasting love, and it's a love that always calls, always beckons, always gives, and is always drawing you away to himself and out of the darkness. If you're in darkness right now, the Lord wants to draw you out of it. 
If you're in fear, worry, doubt, torment, anxiety, God wants to draw you out. If your marriage is on the rock, God wants to draw you out. If you're sick, God wants to draw you out of it. And just as the Father thinks and acts this way for us, we're to love others with the same type of everlasting love. And we're to always draw others. First, ourselves, are to be, we're to be drawn away together with the Lord and my family. But then it's always giving myself away to someone else. I live my life giving it away to the best of my ability for someone and something else. And sometimes that's hard. I feel like I'm pulled on all the time and problems and I know that ministry has no mercy. At the end of the day, when it comes to ministry, it's all about everybody else, not really about me and my marriage and my kids and my stuff, but I don't have any issue with that because I'm called to it and I've been drawn into it and my love for people is so strong that it overcomes no matter how much people pull on me. And I don't go have pity parties and man, I just need to go get blasted because I can't take it anymore because y'all are so messed up. That would be messed up, right? What I'm saying to you is that you have to understand that God will give you the strength and the stamina and the life and the energy and the grace for whatever he puts in front of you. You know why? Because he had it for you. And the minute I think y'all are so messed up, God reminds me about my past. And he goes, you think they're messed up? Do you remember that time you did? I'm like, oh yeah, Lord, let's not talk about that. See, I can have mercy because why? I can have grace because why? And that's why I tell you never give up. And please don't isolate and leave. Stay together as a family. Get in the fight. Run to the altar. Get in relationship. Get in community. Will we be building more things as time goes by? Of course. But you know what? We have awesome women, awesome men. We have an awesome young adult ministry. We have a great high school ministry. We're working on building a great family ministry here. But get yourself connected so that you can get in relationship and experience it for one another. Now I'm going to leave you with this last scripture and then I'm going to pray for you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. I want you to think about this because it starts out where Paul says, when I think about you, I don't stop praying for you. I never cease praying. Think about the, the love that Paul had for the church. So much so that he writes, when I think about you, I never cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. How could somebody do that? How could somebody be so passionate that they never stop making mention and praying for an entire church? They do it because the desire in their heart for family, kingdom advancement, reproduction, sons and daughters, and to see life come to people like Whitney or you when your most hurting, broken place is so desirous and passionate that I can never stop thinking and praying and making mention of you in my prayers. Isn't that powerful? And some of you need that kind of fire in your life. Because I don't want to look back when I'm at the end of my life and go, what did I build? What did I do? I made a lot of money. I sold a lot of coffee. We opened coffee shops. We... we raised our kids, and now they're off at, you know, college and nice careers, and I got my grandkids. I don't want just that, because I know God's desire and plan is so much bigger, so much so that he gave his son to die on a cross to rescue the world, for God so loved the 
world that he gave his only begotten son. And so Paul says, I'm never, I, I don't stop praying for you, making mention of my prayers. And what does he pray? Think about this prayer that he prays. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you. So he's saying, I'm praying that God would give you something. You know why I prophes- love to prophesy so much? And you know why it's the most important gift in the church? Because it's giving away something that's inside of you. And it's speaking God's heartbeat of love and encouragement and strength and mercy and grace and power right into your situation. Every one of you needs prophetic words in your life. 1 Timothy 1, 17, right around there says, Paul says to Timothy, to warfare with the prophetic words that have been given over your life. And that's why I bring prophets in. There'll be one here in February. That's why this conference that's going to be going on in New Year's, bunch of prophetic guys. But we don't just wait for them to come. We step into the gifts of the Spirit now. Because you know what? All of you have a full-grown Jesus living inside of you. And every one of you can prophesy. And every one of you can be God's mouthpiece. And every one of you can speak life to somebody else. And every one of you needs it spoken into you. That's why Romans 1.11 says, Paul says, I want to visit you so that I can impart into your life a spiritual gift so that you be established. You know what established means? It means to become a stalwart. You know what a stalwart is? It means I'm resilient. It means I'm never backing down. It means I'm going to fight the fight all the days of my life. I'm immovable and I'm unshakable. You know why? Because I had a spiritual gift imparted into me. I had guys like Prophet Kevin Leal prof me out for 20 years of my life. And I run. I'm aggressive for it. Because without it, I'll die. You take the supernatural out of the church, we're dead. I can give you the best hermeneutics. I can give you the best exegesis. I can give you the best words, best understandings, best definitions. I can preach the most incredible messages. But if we don't have encounters in supernatural, we're going to be dead. Yeah! That should get you guys fired up. So Paul says, I never stop ceasing. Why? That the Lord would give to you. Everybody say, give it to me, Lord. What? The spirit of wisdom and revelation for a purpose. God gives you wisdom and revelation for a purpose. Revelation literally means the lifting of the lid. You know what revelation, a great definition of revelation is? Seeing for the first time what you've been looking at the whole time. Talk about week in, week out, week in, week And finally, the switch flips. The, the, the pilot light gets ignited. We turn the heat up and you're just blazing on fire with passion and energy and life and joy and celebration for the reproductive power to give it away to your kids and your family and the church family and the, checking, the, the checkout lady at HEB and your Uber drivers and the Whitney's and wherever in the steam baths even if I'm passing out. It doesn't matter where it is. I'm constantly in the spirit to give away the life God's put inside of me. Who wants that kind of fire? Where's the fire? Y'all crack me up. God wants to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation for what? For the knowledge of him. Because when you know him, it's not really about the gifts, it's about knowing him. Why would I prof somebody out and tell them how much I see in them and what God's saying about their life? Why? Because I want you to know him. 
I want you to see that he cares enough about you that he'll invade your space. I want you to know that God wants to invade your space every day. He'll even invade my space in the most random of secret places. And I have to pay attention. He wants you to have wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him and that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of who's calling. I want you to see this. When you know his calling, guess what you get to find out? Your calling. It says his calling. Because we make it all about us. I just want to know what I'm called to do. You want to know what you're called to do? Find out what he was called to do. It's the hope of who's calling. So I'm praying for you. I want you to have wisdom and revelation. I want you to get so fired up so that you would know what you're supposed to do next. I want you to know that, but what do I really want you to know? So when you know his calling, you'll find your calling. And when you know what is the inheritance of his glorious riches, you'll find your inheritance. You are his inheritance. I'm his inheritance. This is what he paid the price for. Us and millions and millions of others. He paid the price for this. He paid the price for you. And if I know that, then I get to find my inheritance, which is what? What's my real inheritance? Millions of dollars in the bank account? I would like that. I would like to, I really would like that. If God wills it. Is it bigger ranches and more stuff and more boats and ATVs? I like all those things. I would like to have them too. But you know what it's really about? Generations, legacy, sons and daughters, history. His calling. See it? It's his calling. It's his inheritance. Rock City's his inheritance. How could we have ever gotten here? We couldn't have done it without him. He built this, and he's building it, and he will build it. All we have to do is stay in the pocket of his love and not give up. All we have to do is trust him and be fascinated by him. All we have to do is allow ourselves to be drawn out, not drawn back. See, I'm not going back to the way I used to live. I'm not going back to who I used to be. I'm leaving it behind. And some of you need to leave it behind right now. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that you're desirous. I mean, it takes a lot to come here sometimes. But now you gotta allow yourself to be drawn out and not stay stuck, not stay where you're at. And the best thing you can ever do is just self-deprecate. I got issues and I need some tissues. Who's got some? You got any tissues down there? And then you come up to the altar and you weep and you cry and you get born again and you give your life to Jesus and you repent. And you turn away from going backwards or backsliding. And you don't worry about fear and shame and you just let it all out. I've been smoking, drinking, sleeping, partying, angry, mad, far away, depressed, cutting, whatever it is that, you, what, that people do when they're hurting and broken. Yelling at my wife, checked out, lying, looking at porn, whatever it is. You leave it right here. This is what this is for. Right up here in the spirit are big giant bins for you to just walk up and put your stuff in. And then leave it. And know that God loves you with an everlasting love. And that he's always thinking the best for you and he cares for you. He's got a purpose for you. He's got future for you. He's got a hope for you. You're not hopeless. 
You're not destitute. You don't have unrest. You're rested. You're confident. You're secure because you're sons and daughters, because he loves you with an everlasting love. And when every day gets hard, I take heart because Jesus overcame the hardness of this world. And if you're hurting and broken this morning, we're going to pray for you. Let's all stand.